Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is Art Blog Radio. This morning we're talking with Jennifer Livonian. Jennifer Livonian's cut paper animations are made with watercolor drawings, and they depict things from everyday life, people driving in their cars, stopping at McDonald's, pets, a lot of pets. But there's always something absurdist about a suggested story. There's a nude woman, for example, doing yoga in a grocery store. Or there's a man grilling some paperback books on a George Foreman grill. The animations are short, maybe nine minutes or so or less, and have jerky rhythms and are obviously handmade. Jennifer has shown her works at Fleischer Ullman Gallery, at ICA, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and right now at a group exhibition at Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts. We're in Jennifer's home in North Philadelphia, sitting in her second floor studio. So Jennifer, you have a great eye for the small moment, but all those small moments seem to add up to something bigger mm-hmm. in your mind. So when did you become a storyteller? <laughs> I've always liked to write. I'm just not a very good writer. I'm a big reader. And um, when, I, when I was in graduate school, I went to study painting, and I was making narrative series of paintings. But they weren't, um, I don't think they were that successful as series of paintings because the, I really wasn't that interested in kind of pushing the boundaries of painting or painting in a really inventive style. And so when I took an animation class, I... Uh, fell in love with the technique of cut paper animation and I went back to my studio and cut up the paintings that I had been making and turned them into animations. Wow. So you seem to be in these stories because they they seem very autobiographical. Definitely. Um, you seem to be a bit of a rebel. There's like the mainstream culture and then there's Jennifer. Do you think you see things differently than other people? Um, I don't think so. I mean, most of the animations, there's a, a main character that has a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I mean, there is, and, um, and that aspect is autobiographical. I think I, I have kind of a, like an internal nervous breakdown just about every day. Like a mini existential crisis, I think, about the fact that we're, that we're born and we're going to die. And, you know, I don't come to any new conclusions <laughs> or anything about it, but I look at the surroundings that we're presented with and I... You know, just reflect on all of the absurdity of it all. Do you think, I mean, I think that you're a feminist. When I look at your, sure. the, the two things that, that really strike me are there's feminism in there and there's an anti-religious streak or a discomfort with religion. Okay. Can you talk about those? Sure. I definitely identify as a feminist. Um, I, I would hope it wouldn't come across as an anti-religious streak. I think I poke fun at, at religion, but... I've uh, gone back and forth in my life, kind of falling in and out of religion and being more devoted to it than at other times. In my late 20s, I actually converted to Catholicism. I don't attend regularly. I mean, I, I have a respect for organized religion, but I'm, I don't know, I'm very, I'm skeptical, you know, really skeptical. I think I go to it because I have, I, I you know, I'm constantly experiencing this sort of daily existential crisis, and that's that's why I, I mean I've just been thinking about it a lot again recently. So no, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it to I wouldn't want my animations to come off as anti-religious. It's more hopefully it's a little bit um, more like you know I see the lighthearted humorous side to it. Did you grow up in a religion? Yeah, and I, we grew up Presbyterian. My family. Mm-hmm. And where did you grow up? 
all over. I was born in West Virginia, and uh, I lived in Iowa and in the southwestern section of Virginia later on, and I went to college in the eastern side of Virginia. Uh, my parents are both from Philadelphia, though, and I've been here almost twice as long as anywhere else, so I feel, I mean, this sort of also feels like my hometown. Where'd you go to school? William and Mary, College of William and Mary. It's a state school in Virginia. It's very old. Right. And grad school was here in Philly? No, I went to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design in Providence. We, we have to pause for the baby yes, sounds. Sure. We, Jennifer has a four-month-old. What's her name? Carmen. 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 Mm -hmm. Has she changed your what you're thinking about at all? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I don't know, I, probably a nicer person. <laughs> just, I mean, you're constantly aware of how you're behaving now, you know, when I'm holding her and... Yeah. And has she had any effect on your existential crises? I thought they would get better. I thought I'd be, like, I always have had this morbid bent, and I thought that it, I would care less about, I wouldn't dwell so much on, more, you know, our mortality. But now, almost more, I think, oh, if something happens to me, it's going to be there for her and all that. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> it's the mother's curse, I just yeah. want to say. <laughs> really, you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Can you tell us about the music in your videos sure. and the sound in them? Sure. That's been um, kind of the most, after I learned the, the basics of cut paper animation, the sound aspect of it has been the most um, interesting. I've had a lot to learn um, because I'm not very musically inclined at all. And uh, the early animations, I was just using found sound and uh, you can buy CDs of sound effects and I was using um, just sound effects like that, copyright free sound effects. And then more recently I bought a recorder and been making my own sound effects. When you come to a musician and want them to do some music for your animation, how directive are you? What do you, what do you give them besides the visuals? Anything else? Yeah, with, with Nathan, um, Maybe just a few sentences about kind of the tone of the work. I think why it's I why I feel like it's been such a nice uh, collaboration is that he's so. I guess we're just on the same page. He seems to be able to watch the animation and write music that feels exactly kind of like what I imagined, which is wonderful. Yeah, just kind of a few comments about the tone of, of the work. I think I've said things like I'd like it mysterious, which probably is <laughs> not a lot of direction, really. <laughs> It's always strange to get it back with the music, even though I'm, I've been really pleased with it each time. It's amazing how, um, you know, music just completely dominates. You can't, you, it shifts the tone in a really powerful way. So every time when I first hear it, I'm a little bit surprised because you get so used to watching the video um, without, without music and it feels like something completely different. Did you ever make a video without any sound whatsoever? No, I, I don't, I haven't. Some of them maybe have some silent passages, but no, I haven't. Because of the technique is so simple and low-tech and the animation style, the movements are really kind of wonky and, and uh, crude. It, to me, like when I add a sound effect, it helps so much. It really, you know, the, the movement's so much more believable. If something looks like it's blowing up and I have that sound effect there, I mean, it's so, I guess, you know, just get the make the movement understood by the people watching it. So uh, you're now in a show at PAFA? Yes. Yes, and it goes until December 31st. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little about the video that's in it? Yeah, so this is the one I was talking about earlier. This is uh, The Oven Sky. It's um, just a, almost five minutes long 
set here in Kensington, and it's about a woman. She is kind of a longtime resident of the neighborhood, and some newer residents, the, the neighborhood's kind of undergoing gentrification, and some newer residents force, well, basically she has a yard full of lawn ornaments, and the city repurposes her yard and turns it into a dog park. And so this is a real person and a real incident? No. No. <laughs> okay, so I mean, you sort mashed of based, it up. Yeah, the aesthetic, I, something just living in this neighborhood for the past 10 years and ha- watching how it's changed. I've, I wanted to set something here, and gentrification is a topic that's interesting to me because of the way artists are involved in gentrification. We're always the first wave of gentrifiers that comes in because we want cheap space. And all of a sudden, it's like Northern Liberties, you know, another neighborhood that, you know, we couldn't afford to live in now. I'm not, you know, I don't know much about sociology or anything. I wouldn't probably try to comment on gentrification. But what I wanted to comment on was, or just depict, was the clash of aesthetics, the different social classes living side by side in a neighborhood that's undergoing gentrification. So it's just different styles everywhere. The, the exteriors of houses look different, you know, yards full of lawn ornaments that I think probably newcomers to the neighborhood wouldn't have. And uh, so I wanted to paint all of that. It's kind of like your neighborhood, right? Yeah, you this have was, a, yeah. This mm-hmm. little block on 3rd Street in Kensington. Mm-hmm. We're in Kensington here, right? Right. It's red brick uh, row houses, right, and right. some of the bricks are painted, mm-hmm. some of them are not, mm-hmm. and some of them have little awnings, and some do not. There's mm-hmm. quite a variety. Yeah, it's great. I feel my mom uh, grew up in Southwest Philly, and which is another row house neighborhood, and I feel really nostalgic for the style of the you know the way my grandma and great aunts collected cat figurines and all that. I mean, I tried to put that that style in the animation a little bit. You know, I miss that. I feel like. I don't know if that's going away, like <laughs> that style. Is it all about the style, but is is there something about values under underlying? Sure, that? sure, definitely. Well, I kind of left out that that when I was describing the the narrative, the animation, the plastic flamingos and the junk in our yard. Well, now here I'm calling it junk, <laughs> but I mean the 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 ornaments in our yard. Uh, somebody takes them and turns them into art, and turns them into a contemporary art show. And then, and then this, the longtime resident sees that her all the things have been taken from her yard and turned into to art. And how does she feel about that? Is she angry or is she thrilled? I think she's depressed. <laughs> That's that was my <laughs> yeah. She's been occupied, right? Her mm-hmm. stuff was occupied. <laughs> if you were looking at contemporary art, who would you love to see shows of? Who influences you and interests um, you? Well, I, I, I love Sarah McEnany's paintings. She's fantastic. Uh, How about in video? In video? Uh, well, there's an animator named Joanna Quinn. I, I really like her animations. She actually is really famous for animating those commercials with the Charmin bears. She does that, I think, for to support her studio practice. You know, with the little bits of toilet paper on their yes. butts? <laughs> That's her. But she's got great animations if you look her up. I, Yuri Norstein's a Russian animator whose Tale of Tales was, I think that was maybe from early 80s. It was his last animation, I think, that he finished. And I've, I've read that he's been working on the same animation since then for decades now. Is that your fear that you're going to work on animation for 20 years? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen unless it's feature length. There you go. Is that an ambition? 
do something not, longer than nine minutes? Not really. No, I don't know. I, I think it might be a little hard on somebody visually to watch that style for so long. I think it would cause like a epileptic fit or something. <laughs> somebody watch my, my work for that, that long would be. So do you think about your videos being in the gallery and people coming in Definitely. and how long they can tolerate standing sure. there? Sure. So what's your maximum length? Well, this last one was, the, the longest has been nine minutes, but most of them are between three and seven. And the nine minute one was tough because I went and interviewed a woman that was um, disguising herself as a man to participate in Civil War reenactments. And I had an hour long interview and she was an interesting person. It was just, so it was hard to figure out what to include. And that was the longest. And I feel like it's a little long for me. Yeah. I def when I go to galleries and they're long videos or sometimes you don't know the duration of the video and you're standing there forever and there's nowhere to sit and you don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't how know would, what I was saying. How would you that. present a video <laughs> in, in the ideal situation in a gallery? How would you present Probably it? Probably, I mean, it's wonderful when they're projected because then the video, you're immersed in it completely. And the water, these are all watercolor animations and uh, everybody is really familiar with, I think, the way a watercolor painting looks and the scale of the stains. You can kind of, you know, the little stains of the pigment leaves. And when they're blown up large, they almost, they, they're a little bit abstract and they become something different. And I, I like, so I love when they're projected. So tell a little bit about Rebellious Bird, the, the one with the woman Civil War reenactor. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? So that, uh, I got the opportunity to, to collaborate with um, the Library Company of Philadelphia. And the topic was the 150th anniversary of the Civil War, so I kind of just had free reign to make a work based on the Civil War in some way or another, which was, you know, obviously like a really epic topic. And at first I didn't know <laughs> what I was going to do, but I um, actually, in reading um, one of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books, it opens with a, a line about the fact that there were, I think, between four and 600 soldiers, the actual numbers up for debate, um, soldiers in the Civil War, the original Civil War, not the reenactments here, but that had uh, dis women that disguised themselves as, as men to fight. It was new to, news to me, and I was surprised that it wasn't a more well-known fact. It almost seemed like something that, you know, there would have been a Hollywood movie with, with Renee Zellweger or Julia Roberts or something in. <laughs> and so I got online and I thought, well, there must be Civil War reenactors that do this too. And there's a large community of women, you know, women that disguise themselves as men to, to fight. And then I was um, more surprised that a lot of men are actually really bothered by this and um, give them a hard time. They've banned women from disguising as men um, at, at some events. Uh, so I contacted, one woman had a website and I contacted her. She ended up living in my hometown in West Virginia and uh, her name is Wendy Ramsberg. And I went and interviewed her and base the animation kind of on, on her story. I can't believe that you you happened upon this through the girl with the dragon tattoo. I know. That, <laughs> I know. It was strange, because that was after visiting, the, you know, the, the library company has this great collection of ephemera from the Civil War. So lots of, like, ticket stubs and ribbons that people wore to mourn Lincoln, you know, when the funeral procession came through town. All these, these great, there was actually even a noose that was used to hang, the tag said used to hang a rebel soldier. They were just really overwhelming me. Every time I went in, I felt, I felt overwhelmed by just the weight of all those objects. When I found this topic, um, yeah, it was strange that I found it reading a mystery novel. So thank you, Jennifer. We've been talking to Jennifer Livonian in her studio. Thank you both. Thanks Thank so much. You. 
ArtBlog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.